Are you ready to live a better life? Do you want to have fulfilling relationships with your partner, children, boss, colleagues? Do you want to learn how to overcome obstacles and challenges that are an inevitable part of our everyday life interactions? You have tuned in to the right podcast. Doris Horenstein, author of Moments of the Heart, is ready to do just that. And I just pressed the record in progress. So we are recording this session. Hello, Liz. I'm so excited that you're here with me today. Thank you so much for being here in, for, and for allowing me to interview you. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. I, I really believe in what I do and would love to get the word out to help others. Wonderful. So if you do not know who Liz Hag is, let me tell you. Liz is a financial coach who helps people and solopreneur be more intentional with their money so that they can sleep well at night. Don't you love that? Knowing that they have a plan and they can reach their goals. Now, I met Liz with positive intelligence. Both of us were going through the cohort. I was cohort two. You were cohort what? Six, I think. Six. Six. And then... Our path crossed again because positive intelligence chose us to go through additional training to be facilitators for Vistage and then in general facilitators for positive intelligence. So that's how Liz and I began and a few more amazing women began together meeting every Friday and growing our skills and sharpening our tools. And that's when I got to meet you and I got to see firsthand the impact that you have with this financial coaching that you so strongly and passionately feel. So I want to share you, this is about you, and I would like you to tell, to share your story. How did you become a financial advisor? Yeah, so I do want to clarify coach versus advisor. It's a really good, like, you know, interchangeable, and they're not. So I like to think, because that's always a question that comes up. So in a very simplistic way, we think of advisors and planners. I like to think that they work with your money's behavior. So they're helping with investing and what is your money doing? As a coach, I'm working with your behavior and choices with money. I love that. Okay, so it's the behavior of the person versus the behavior of the money. Correct. Now, it doesn't mean we don't interchange in those two forms. In fact, I have some advisors I work very closely with. Doesn't mean you don't, you need one or the other, but it's, you got to have money to invest to talk to an advisor, right? And they'll tell you a lot of the principles. They'll say, well, you need to budget and you need to save. But I work on how do you do that, right? Instead of a blanket statement. So I'm in with you in the weeds, I guess, if you want to say, and working with your money mindsets. What are your beliefs? Challenging some of those beliefs. And is there a different way of doing things? And how do we pay off debt? So much stuff so that you build wealth and go to that advisor. Yep. Thank you for clarifying the advisor versus the coach, because I think there's a lot of time that we are interchangeably using these words and they're very different as you brilliantly pointed out. So thank you. Thank you so much. So back to the original question, how did you 
start doing this? Like what propelled you to, to go into this profession? Yeah. So it's interesting. I actually believe it was a God moment. And, you know, we always, a lot of us have been wondering, like, is there a greater purpose? Is how can I contribute more? Right. We instead of just getting up and going to work every day. So I had a career for 22 years that I loved. Um, I did try to keep growing there, but I was hitting the point where I thought, I think there's more that I can do to help people. And I had an opportunity where they were actually having a layoff at my company. And I could say, I'll raise my hand and, and take a severance. And I did. And my husband and I talked about it. And I will, I'll be totally honest. I remember crying as I'm saying to my husband, I think God's got another plan and I need to take a leap. I don't know what it is, but I think I'm ready to find out. So, and I, I will, I share this because we all take these big leaps. I remember sitting there with my manager and the form had to be signed by noon and it's 1155 and it had been sitting there and I waited and I, I did, I signed off not knowing what I was going to do. And I, I knew what my skills were and what I'm good at. I know that I'm good at listening and I love business analysis and really looking and understanding people. And I could apply all those skills. So what did I want to do? So honestly, a couple months came by. I've always listened to Dave Ramsey. I'm a huge believer in no debt and all of his principles. I have followed him for 35 years. That's what allowed me in my 50s to walk away from a six-figure job and say, I'm going to do something else that I think God wants me to do. And I don't know what it is. So took a couple months, but it smacked me in the face. And actually it was my advisor. And he's like, why don't you become a coach? And I was like, it was literally right in front of me. And I ran home after a meeting with him, got on, signed up and jumped into the deep end. And I have been a coach for almost four years doing this. So, and well, I love it. I am hearing things that I think so many of the listeners could relate to. And that's, the courage that you need to overcome and walk through the fears that you have in changing occupation, in changing a particular path in your life, in finding that inner courage and knowing. And for you, it's God. For me, it's probably also God. Not for everybody, it's God, but I believe it's a higher source, something yeah. that is outside of you that tells you, do that. That would lead you well. And I could 100% relate to this. This is my story. You know, I had to leave my job. I wasn't making six figures, let me tell you. <laughs> but I left that job because I felt that there was a different calling for me. And yep. here it is. And here it is. Okay. So, so you have this calling. So tell us more about how did you um, impact? How do you impact other people and their finance and their behaviors around money? Yeah. So let me just circle back to part of the falling into this. I've always had an interest in personal finance. I am not an investing expert, but we, you and I, and all of us out there, we work so hard for our money. And half the time we're like, where to go? What happened to it? Right. And I still remember the crash of 2008 with the housing market. And that caused the stock market to decline. We lost 50% of our retirement. And we had been working for 20 years. And I remember like 
like, oh my gosh, to my husband, are we still okay? Are we on track? And I was in my early 40s. I even would watch Susie Orman. I know she's a little older now, but I would watch Susie Orman on Saturday nights to be smart with this tool that I've been given, this money tool. So it all kind of came together and that's why. So um, your question is some of the money mindsets. You know, we're in a society of instant gratification. If you think about people are wanting you to buy things as quickly as possible. You know, remember the big staples, big red easy button. Yes, I yes. mean, Amazon, one click, right? All of the apps, no friction, as little. They actually do studies to the least amount of clicks that somebody has to do to get your item. The world is being designed to make you spend. and. Um, I think it kind of also goes in with comparisons. I also believe our society, our expect, what's expected, like this base has been risen. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you, I was thinking about this beforehand. I'm 56. And I remember 20, 30 years ago, if you wanted to get together with a friend, many times it might be a walk or they would come to your house and you'd make lunch right? Now it's, let's go to lunch. Let's spend money. You know, so the bar, you know, the vacations growing up, I didn't take big, huge vacations. You know, we took small ones and now, you know, I think I've been, and I'm sorry for it, I'm not bashing on Disney, but I think I've been to Disney once, like with my kids and once as a child. But there's this expectation bar that's been raised about what life should look like. And it is causing people to go further into debt because we've raised a base bar. You know, you're, this is actually really true because I was growing up, you know, we went camping with my parents. You know, I didn't have money. Many times, by the way, until today, when a friend wants to come over, I said, come over, we're going to have a cup of tea together. Uh, and then I, I have... People know me that I have a glittery cups, you know, so it's either a golden glittery cups today. It's the silver glittering cups, but it is my way of saying, let's just do this and we're good. And some of my friends will insist on going out. I remember it doesn't make as much of a difference now in my life, but I think back then it would. And I notice also young families will tend to go to now full resorts, you know, that they have 100% of everything in the resort. So they pay more, but they, oh no, everything is included. And I've not gone to a resort when I was young, right? And a lot of people in Israel, growing up again, we will travel in Israel. And now so many people are hopping, you know, to Turkey, to Greece, to this, to Poland, to the, you know, like little thing out, you know, and you are absolutely right. I'd never thought about it, but our own expectations has risen. Yeah, well, and I'll keep some, and I know it's TV, but if you ever watch House Hunters on HGTV. I do. Housing is more expensive. I get it, you know? But when I got my first house, the interest rate was six or 7%. It was. Now, my first house costs a little less, so I get it. But if you ever watch it, and I realize it's reality TV, but my first house, I think I wanted a roof over my head and a place to sleep. And now that people go in, and especially in the last 10 years, it's, I don't like that laminate countertop. I think my countertops were yellow and laminate. Now, I realize it might have been the 90s, 
but I think my stove was yellow. And even back then, like, but now people go in and granite isn't even good enough. I want quartz. <laughs> like we keep raising this bar. There's no backsplash. I have to have it now again, it's TV, but it is a mental reality of people want what they have right now. Like maybe even my kids, what they grew up with, they see what we have now and they don't realize the 30 years it took for us to get here and where we started to get here. So now their new base is, well, mom and dad have a nice house. I want, or I'm sorry, I might be picking on people, but like, I, it's my forever home. And their first home is 3000 square feet and there's no kids and it's a five bedroom house. And my first home was a one bath, one and a half bath with three small rooms. And I worked my way up. I lived in that for five to seven years. And then we moved and worked our way up and worked our way up. But we've set a higher. And I do believe social media and comparisons is what is helping to drive this. Okay. I want you to pause right here. And I want to tell the listeners, if you're listening to Liz, she's giving you right now not only tips for just for you to reflect on where are you really? Where are your expectations? Where is your instant gratification? But also, I want you to see that Liz, when she coaches you, she will go through the numbers and bring it to reality in a very factual way. And you got to I mean, I do. I admire you for saying what you think in, on your mind. Because sometimes coaches will say, so what do you want? And will not ask, will not tell you sometimes what is the way to achieve what you want. And I don't think we will be doubting your directness and your, you know, openness about your own finance, which I really appreciate. So, so tell us, because, you know, we, you and I could talk for hours and we have in the past, as a matter of fact, <laughs> I went to Philadelphia. And Liz is uh, lives in Pennsylvania, so she drove an hour, and I drove half an hour, and we we met at Panera, in the parking lot, and we and I thought we're gonna park our cars, we're gonna get a cup of coffee, and then we're gonna go to the mall nearby to just walk around. Well, no, we didn't do that. We sat for four hours in Panera, and we talked money for four hours, literally details. Lap Liz's laptop is open. We're dissecting information about my finances. So Liz was so generous in saying, okay, this is your financial situation and help me see things through. That was priceless. Forget going shopping in the mall. Why do I need to do that? If I can have Liz next to me in Panera. <laughs> so, that is a leeway to, I would love for you to share with us three or so tools that you use in your financial coaching um, and help people in their whatever area of finance they need help. So what will be three tools? Okay. So the first tool, especially if somebody wants to get started, it's really important that you know what your values, beliefs, and goals are around money. Okay. And if you're married, talk to your husband or your wife and find out. And so what do I mean? What are your beliefs about debt? Is debt fine? Does debt make you feel good? How would it feel to get rid of debt? 
right? There's a lot of books out there about good debt and bad debt. I don't like any debt, okay? And it is important to know when I coach, I give people options. I don't tell anybody how to spend their money. So it goes to this values and belief. What do you value? What in your spending is a non-negotiable? And maybe what's a negotiable? And it's all tied to your values and beliefs. Do you want to help your kids with college if you have kids? Some people do, some people don't. No judgment, but that's part of your beliefs and your goals, right? Um, what are you... Uh, I like to think of the beliefs and goals like this. We are sitting in a big old ocean and we're in a boat, okay? A paddle boat. And an island is way out. You're looking through a periscope is way out there. And that island is where you wanna get to. And that's your goals and your beliefs and your values, okay? If you don't have an island out there and you can't see it, all you're doing is sitting in a big old ocean floating right? If you have goals and you have a place you're paddling to, now you can start paddling in the boat and decide how hard, how fast do I want to paddle to get there? That's kind of what I explained to people with paying off debt. You can paddle really slow and still get there. It's just going to take longer. Or you can paddle super hard, get an extra job, whatever side hustle, and you can get to your island. But you have to have an island first. Otherwise, you're just adrift. And that island is your goals and your beliefs and knowing your values around money. I love, have the island first. You know, I talk about the boat and I'm talking about the boat is we, you know, so I have a similar kind of idea, but I don't have the island as your target. I love that as your goal. How do you get to that island? Otherwise, yeah. you just rotate around and around and around in an ocean. Yeah. Okay. So that's perfect. So what that's else? The one. You have to know why you're paddling. What's your why? What's those goals? Otherwise, why do you bother? Right. Mm -hmm. So then, and this is the one that's interesting. I do believe you. I don't know how to do this without a budget. And a lot of people don't like the word budget. And I heard another coach use this, and I think it's brilliant. And I like to think of it as a money map. I map and it fits right in with my island and my boat. I am mapping out my money each month based on all my expenses and not just fixed. People think I have my fixed expenses. All the leakage happens in the variable, in the non-fixed, the groceries, the eating out, the, the gifts, the clothes, the household items we run to Target and we didn't plan to buy that we grabbed when we're in there. That's all the leakage, right? Mm -hmm. So I want you to think of it this way. I'm going to transfer from a, a water to a GPS system. If we get into our car and we want to travel across the country, right? We put it into our GPS these days. Old days used to be a map, but we the GPS is our map. Love GPS. Now, the GPS tells you, how am I going to get to my destination the fastest, maybe the least stressful? You can choose tolls or not tolls, right? It's going to map you out a plan. Now, if you got in your car and put earplugs in and just started driving and ignoring the GPS, what good does it do to put it in there? So a money map 
you map out the month before it starts and every month is different, but then you have to follow and track it. Just like a GPS, you gotta listen to what you've mapped out and follow it. And many people don't do that. They'll map out what they want or they have an idea, but the devil's in the details. What you did I so, actually do? You are so right, Liz. I do think, and that's that has been some one of my issues, right? I knew how much money I have budget to spend, but then I don't track it at the other end. And then and then it surprised me when we did it together. I was like, oh my gosh. And not only that, it surprised me how much money I did make, because again, I didn't track it. <laughs> and so thank you. That is absolutely. So we have time for one more tool. And then we okay. will say how you can connect with, um, how can anyone connect with you? So I had two, so I'm going to jump to money mindsets. One is paying off debt. It's a longer conversation, different approaches. Um, but it is important to know with the debt, you got to know your values and beliefs to know how you want to pay it off. Okay. But money mindset, remember we started and I said how easy people are making things. This is what I would leave people with. You want to create some friction to change some of your buying and person personal habits. And there's so many ways. I know young people don't like cash, but it is a friction. Or I'll give you a good example, Chick-fil-A, right? There's always a long line at Chick-fil-A. Well, guess what? If you do the app, you're more quickly to spend money and it's easier. So if you say, I'm only going to Chick-fil-A if I put myself through the drive-through, now you've created some friction. So now it's, is it worth it to me to go through the drive-through or not, right? Or I'll give you one more, Amazon right? Oh, how many boxes? We've all trained our brains. Do you ever walk past your front door and you haven't even ordered anything and you still look outside to see if there's a box? <laughs> I do. And I don't order that much. Oh, is there boxes today? It's like, so I tell my clients sometimes if this is a point of contention, put it in your cart and then wait 24 hours before you buy it. Or wait a whole week and make Saturday, then you go, you can keep putting it in your cart, but then Saturday, go back through it. And then the emotion that you had when you initially put it in the cart is going to be very different a couple of days later, right? Because we sometimes buy on emotion or stress or boredom. But if we wait and give it time and only purchase, and then we're also saving on boxes. And for all the people who are green, now it's only in one big box and we're saving green on having them deliver it because it's not using as much gas. So lots of good reasons, but I'm working on creating friction and making people more aware of why they're spending and why they're choosing. Wow. Wow. You know, usually I would say, do we want to have friction? But when you explain the friction in that way, I'm like, this is when friction can be positive. Yep. Not negative. So, so if you want to achieve your goals and get to the island. We got to create some friction. That's right. That is absolutely right. And I know you have helped me create that friction for my own self. So I love that. So I always ask at the end of an interview, I always ask, what is your word? And this time, as we're starting the last quarter of 2020, 
2023 and we're heading into 2024, Jewish people, as you know, just started to celebrate our own new year, 5,784. What will be your word for your new year once it comes around? Contentment. Contentment. Tell me why. Tell us why. Because of what we talked about earlier and all of the comparisons, right, that go on through social media, it's about finding peace and satisfaction with what you already have, right? It's not always about having the most money. We've seen people who have a lot of money. Are they really content and happy? Mm -hmm. You know, we think it would solve our problems, but so how do we find peace and satisfaction, right? And that's partly about aligning our financial goals and values to have that fulfilling life, regardless of what's in our bank account. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I don't know. We didn't talk about it, Liz, but when I was thinking of my word for this year, I was thinking of the word satisfaction. That's my word, satisfaction, because so often we compare ourselves to other people Mm -hmm. or to a vision of ourselves that is not yet here. And we're like, you know, you know, we will be happy when we get there. We, you know, we want to be more like X, Y, and Z out there. And I noticed that about myself. So for me, the word is satisfaction. Be happy in the present moment with what you have now. The same thing as contentment. Same. I know. I know. I just love that. How we both of us thought about this, this aspect of that being, you know, satisfied and happy and content with what you have. Yeah. Doesn't mean you can't strive. Oh yeah. But there's a peace and comfort that comes with that contentment and being, you know, and it does reduce, when you become content, you reduce financial stress. You actually can enhance your saving habits, right? And when your brain, like with positive intelligence, I did that because I found a value with my financial coaching for people who want to do the program, but we actually have better decision-making when we're content because we're using the sage part of our brain and we're not in distress, right? Being sabotaged by our negative thoughts. There's there's a, a, a different feeling. And when we make better improved financial decision-making, we do better all the way around. So it all interconnects. I love that. Thank you so much, Liz. Now, can you share with us how we can reach out to you? For those who are listening to the podcast, I will have the notes and the connection, but share what is the best way of reaching out to you and is there an offer that you would like to make for all of our listeners sure um one easy way is go to my website really hard livehagfinancialcoach.com now i will say this i'm hag with at one a and two g's so it looks like hag but it is swedish my husband's side it is swedish and they do say hag so maybe you'll remember that but like there's a world out there LizHagFinancialCoach.com. You can find me, scroll down. There's a, um, the offer would be, let's have a conversation and do a complimentary coaching session. You know, let's talk for 45 minutes to an hour and find out what, what you'd like to do better. What are those goals and values and how can we devise a plan? And, and you know what, whether you hire me or not at that time, 
my goal is to give people and walk away with a couple tools that gets them set on their path. Everybody, you just heard that. Liz is such a generous human and here she wants to help you help somebody you might know, maybe a spouse, to get as a family, as individual, to get on the right path to financial freedom. So I can speak for myself. She's fantastic. And I recommend, I do, I recommend her wholeheartedly. If you're listening to this and think, I want to have a conversation, don't hesitate, reach out to Liz. Thank you, everybody, so very much. I believe each and every one of you is a champion in your own right. So now leave that champion out. Be yourself, be proud, be what you intend to be. Perhaps a little better with Liz's help. Thank you, everybody.